we're starting a new series called uh, the 23rd Psalm, and um, it's it's about the 23rd Psalm. And what we're going to try and do, last series we talked about storm chasers and the idea that we're going to be in the midst of these storms. This series, I want to focus on who our Heavenly Father is. Because it's this idea that we're sheep and, and, and that we serve this God, this, this great God. And I, all this week I was trying to kind of figure out how can I get across the fact that our God is so great. And I started thinking about creation. I started thinking about, um, you know, us being on this planet in this galaxy called the Milky Way. And, 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 and so we're on this planet Earth in this galaxy called the Milky Way with this star, our sun, essentially fueling our planet. And that sun, you know, it's, the, it's kind of the only thing we can kind of wrap our head around because it's there. So we call it a solar mass. And then we, 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 we um, take that solar mass and that's how we evaluate all other stars. So if a star is five times the size of our star, it's five solar masses, okay? And, and so if you take our tiny earth, it would take a hundred of those earths to be the size of our sun. That's just the size of our sun. But there's something else about our sun other than the fact that it's on fire. <laughs> it's dense. And so to weigh the same amount of the sun, it would take 300,000 earths to weigh the same as the sun. That's how dense the sun is. It's incredible. When you think about the fact that our God created the sun is amazing. But then it goes on. There is a million, million suns in our galaxy. There's a million, million stars. A thousand million, a billion stars. And some of them are a hundred times bigger than our sun. Some of them are 300 times bigger than our sun. And one that we know of is 600 times, 600 times the size of our sun. Our God made that. A thousand million stars in our galaxy. God made that. There's a hundred million galaxies. And you know what the word of God says? It says our God put those stars there and he named them. Somehow. I can't even think of five names. I mean, when it came time to name our kids, I'm like, I don't know, you know, John and Lisa. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, I had no, you know, we got one of those books of names, right? And, and we're just like looking over and like there's, you know, there's like 60 ways to spell Christy. You know, it's like, well, should we go with, Christ? you know, it's like I got Audrey and all this, just all these names. There's, A thousand million galaxies. And God knows all those stars by name. Somehow. That's the God we serve. I I got some pictures up here. Just, I don't know how well they'll show up. I never know with this thing, but go to that. This is just, these are, you've seen all these. Go to the next one. That's just so cool. Go to the next one. And then the next one's blank, so you can stay there. Okay, so you got these stars. You've got these 
millions and millions and millions of stars that God created. Now, again, you can get all tricked out over did it have evolution, Big Bang, seven days, whatever. Who, you know, at this point, does it really matter? I mean, if God created it, we can't understand it either way. Now, I'll, granted, I'll give you seven days. I'll give you seven billion years. I don't really care. God created The thing that blows my mind is he knows every one of their names. Incredible to me. And then you go the other way into microorganisms. An average microorganism is one twenty-five thousandth of an inch. So if you took 25,000 bacteria and you put them all together, you'd get an inch. If you took 25,000 people, you'd get 18 miles. If you take 25,000 bacteria, you get an inch. And look at some of these. They're awesome. I mean, the creativity, how they're stuck together. Go to the next one. Different colors, next one. I mean, it's just amazing. The creativity of our God from the enormous, gigantic level. I mean, the only reason we have color in those, in those star things is we've had to add color because it's all, I don't know what it is. Kai probably knows gamma rays or something. I, I don't know. I, I just love this kind of stuff. I, ne- I always get it all wrong. But it's like, there's, that means there's stuff that God can see that we can't. We have to assign it something we can see, something we can understand in order for us to just interpret it. And God knows about it. And you go down to the bacteria level, God knows about that. And then you just go to the species that are here on this planet, 1.4 million that we know of. Scientists on the conservative side think there's 2 million, and on the crazy side think there's 50 million species on this planet. In 1982, they did this study in Panama where they took 19 trees, 19 trees, and they fogged them, they tented them like you do your house, you know? And then... Um, and they just collected all the bugs that died. Of the beetles, of those 19 trees, there were 1,143 species of beetle in the 19 trees. Different kinds of beetle. 1,143. You can look it up. 1982. Is that unbelievable? Look, I put some pictures here. This is, these are pet insects. If you'd like to take one home, we have some in the foyer in the back. Uh, and that guy's just got beetles on him. Yeah. But look at that beetle. That is a trip. All this creativity that God has. The God of the universe. He knows all the millions and millions and millions of stars. He's got them by name. That's Tom. It's, it's, like, it's like getting a Yahoo account where you're like, you know, Tom Jones 58940. It's like, I don't know how he does it, but it's just like all these names. And then, and then all these tiny, tiny bacteria all working together somehow. 1.4 million species that we find. It's just incredible. And that is our God. And it's weird because God makes this statement that we are his sheep. And sheep aren't, you know, if you missed the original video, at, we did it at nine o'clock, this surfing sheep. It was awesome. You should have been here. Uh, and I ain't showing it again, so sorry. No, but it, it, we're called sheep. And, and, you know, when you look at that girl doing the 23rd Psalm and you think, man, it's so cute, it's so cute, it's so cute. And then God says, well, you're just like a sheep. It's like... I really don't want to be a sheep because they're smelly and they're stupid and they, they'll just sit out in the rain and die. 
They don't know how to get out of the rain. I mean, there's just all these things about sheep that are just you know, amazing. If any of you grow up on a farm and I say sheep, almost invariably, I mean, even Gary has this, it's like, oh, like, like they're such a pain. They smell and all this kind of stuff. But they're good eating. I will tell you that. No. Uh, and, and so God calls us these sheep. And I, I, I want to read this because this is not a foreign concept uh, to the scriptures. In Psalm 95, 6, it says, Come, let us worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. In 1 Peter 2, 25, it says this, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd, the overseers of your soul. Somehow in the coming weeks, and this is kind of an introductory message, I hope I can get us connected with how great our Heavenly Father is. Just how unbelievably powerful he is. You know, it's like you run out of, I, I, like, I got awesome, amazing, incredible. It's like I wish I had more words to describe how creative he is, how wise he is, how he's got everything together. Even in the midst of my life when I think, why doesn't he do something? He can answer that question of why he doesn't do something. Like he knows the answer to that. If I say, why is this happening to me? He knows the answer to that. If I say, oh man, I, I really hope I find a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're not married. Uh, he, he's got the answer to that. He knows. And then just the fact that he, he, he's existed before anything existed. And just how do you wrap your mind around that? How do you understand that we serve a God who doesn't need us and yet longs for relationship with us? And somehow we can glorify him. Somehow in his perfectness, he's designed this thing that we can, in our little princess shirt and our little he-man shirt, somehow bring him pleasure. It's incredible. So let's, uh, let me read one other one other scripture that Isaiah writes in 45, chap, uh, chapter 45, verse 21 says, And there's no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Three times God says, This is it. I am God. I'm your Savior. I'm the meaning and purpose behind life. Now, you get to the 23rd Psalm and David understood this and David spent many, many nights underneath the stars contemplating the stars. When you read what he wrote in the Psalms, so much of creation is in there uh, in, in what he writes about, just this connection with God he had through creation because he, he got to see it at the, at the cosmos level and then just having his hands in the dirt level and seeing the insects and seeing all the stuff. David understood and David writes this Psalm I'm going to read the whole thing this morning. It's not up on the, on the board. We're just going to go up uh, on, uh, with verse 1 today. I'm just going to read the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, 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 no, yeah. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're gonna spend um, the rest of our morning just on this idea of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. A lot of us have memorized it, I shall not want, but it, it doesn't really capture it because we all want, right? We all want different things and it's like, man, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's not about wanting things, it's about lacking things. The Hebrew there is, the Lord is my shepherd, I won't lack anything. There is nothing that my life lacks. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you the thing for this morning that we're going to, our kind of point. Our point for this morning is I have all I need. Turn, it's going to be different for you, okay? I just want you to turn to someone next to you. If, if, you, if you don't know them, this could get creepy, okay? But I understand. I just want you to say, I have all I need. <laughs> okay? It's hard. Now, it's hard because as Americans, we just don't like doing this kind of stuff. It's like we're very individual. It's like I don't like talking to the person next to me. I don't even like sitting next to the person next to me. Uh, but, but think about that. I mean, that's like the easiest, it's like the lamest point. Anybody could come up with this point. You got, but all week long, think about that. I have all I need. I have all I need. But you don't understand. We, I have all I need. I, I might not have all I want. I might be able to think of some needs that God hasn't thought of yet. I might be able to come up with some stuff like, hey, I know you're busy with all those stars you've named and all the people you got to take care of, but remember, I'm not married yet, and hello, clock's ticking, right? I have all I need. But, but what about, if I had a different husband, oh, if I had a different wife, if I had a different house, a different car, a different job, you have all you need right now. Let's, let's, uh, let's go on. The Lord is my shepherd. This Lord, the word for Lord is Jehovah, and it means the existing one. And we, David could have used a lot of different names for God, Elohim, and Adonai, and Yahweh. He chose Jehovah, the existing one. I mean, you can imagine just being under the stars as David is as a shepherd. Now, he wrote this when Absalom, his son, was driving him into exile. He wanted to take over the throne. And so here's, here's David in the midst of total crisis. His family is just going crazy. He's been kicked off the throne. And he says, the Lord Jehovah, the existing one, is my shepherd. He's the one guiding me. He's the one providing for me. He's the one leading me. Right now, where you sit, right now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have all you need. You are not lacking anything. I'm just telling you now, you are not lacking anything. That's how great our God is. 
Now, whether we connect with that and whether we understand that and whether we can kind of just put our mind around the fact that, well, gosh, but, you know, really, I got dead, I got this, I got that. I mean, to take all that away. Our God is so great. Once you enter into relationship with him, you have all you need. Don't need a bigger house. Don't need different clothes. You don't need anything. You have it. He's your shepherd. I want to read a section of scripture. It's so amazing. Jesus is writing because Jesus is, is God coming down in the flesh. And, and, and essentially, when you read what Jesus says, it's, he's desperately trying to get us to understand about his heavenly father. There's, you can have this relationship with him. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, talk about not needing anything. The disciples said, Rabbi, you got to eat something. And in, uh, in John, I can't remember, somewhere, Six, I think, Jesus says, I have food you don't even know about. I don't need food. My food is to do the will of my heavenly father. If you guys could get that, if you could understand it, you wouldn't be asking about food. Yeah, but I'm hungry. Jesus says, I have all I need. Now he goes on and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. He goes on, I have other sheep that are not of this pen, sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What's amazing about this God we serve is, you know, we get so wrapped up in our own church and our own small group and our own community, but there are churches just like there are galaxies, a hundred million galaxies. I gotta get my numbers right. There are a hundred million galaxies. There's so many churches and they're all different and they're all one flock one shepherd and some of them argue over little you know different doctrinal things and some of them sit in pews some of them have organs some of them have uh awesome electric guitar players thank you houston so i loved it yeah okay i mean all different things but it's one shepherd the good shepherd the one who laid down his life for his sheep and if you have that relationship with Christ, if, if, if you've accepted that sacrifice of him on the cross, you have all you need now. It's so freeing to have a shepherd. To take that burden off of us and to have a good shepherd is the best. I was, I've been reading this book that someone gave to me a, uh, about four years ago called a shepherd's look at the 23rd psalm or a shepherd's take on the 23rd psalm and he was basically a shepherd and he started talking about the sheep and just what a good shepherd provides and 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 how the sheep even though when they have a good shepherd that and we're going to be going over these in the next five weeks we're going to be going over these five different things that our heavenly father provides for us our heavenly father does for us as a good shepherd and and he was talking about how these sheep they're just not bright. <laughs> and so, you know, th- th- there's different things and you, you get different sheep dogs and different things. We'll read about the rod and the staff that the shepherd uses. But, uh, and, and that's kind of how I see pastors. I see them as sheep dogs. Even though pastor means shepherd, there's one shepherd. There's one shepherd of this church and it's Jesus Christ. He's the one guiding, directing, calling, correcting, wooing, going, hey, let's do this. Let's not forget about what lies behind and let's reach forward to what lies ahead. And so then he tells the leadership of this church and they run around like sheepdogs trying to get everybody all fixed up. 
That's all it is. Just sheepdogs are just at the feet of their master like anybody else. Still under the care of the shepherd, the good, the good shepherd. So he says, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. Now what? If God is truly my shepherd, if I truly see it, if, I, if I've truly just like, look, wherever you go, I'll follow. Whatever you say, whatever pasture you place me in, I'll do my best to eat there. I'll stay within the boundaries you've provided. I'll stay with other sheep, just the way you said, whatever it is. The, what is the natural outcome of having the God of the universe, the one that's named every single star and knows every single bacteria, what does that look like in my life? What should it look like? If God is truly your shepherd, if he truly takes care of you, what is it going to look like? And it's the next phrase, and it's contentment. If God is truly your shepherd, you will be content. And you say, well, gosh, because I know, I, I do this myself. I go, ah, yeah, but if I, if I just had, I mean, that would be the, I, I, I am content. But this, if I just had this one thing, that'd be icing on the cake, <laughs> right? God says, no, this is it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. I will lack nothing. I have, essentially, God is my God. That's all I need. If you're gonna paraphrase this first verse, I've, I have God. I don't need anything else. And we can follow it all the way down the line. Yeah, but what about, you know, what about, you know, debt and clothes and cars and, you know, we, we, all, all, all five of us can't fit in a one-bedroom apartment. We really need it. No, 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 no. If God is your shepherd, you have everything you need right now. There's nothing else you need. I'm not even going to qualify it. If we have God, we've got it all. I want to read a section of scripture that's really incredible. It's in Hebrews. And we get all caught up on the first part. And we miss the second part. It's Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. See, we get kind of caught up in this love of money thing and we think, well, and that's how we measure the gauge. Do I love money? Do I not love money? Uh, I used to like money a lot more. Now I don't necessarily like money that much, so I'm doing better. That is not the point of the verse. The verse is, am I content? See, what, 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 what is not loving money look like? What is, what is the, 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 the character that God wants from us? What does it look like? I don't know if you, you know, how many of you have kids or whatever, but have, you, have your kids ever come to you with a need and you're like, you have not, you know, I need a new bike or I need it. And you look and you go, you have no idea what it takes to provide for you. Like you don't have a clue. You got it so good. You don't even know how good you have it. That's the idea of contentment. We look at them and we say, hey, go back to your room. What are you talking about? You got it great. Yeah, they mope around the house. How much more our Heavenly Father, who's created a star that's 600 times the size of our star and named it Joe. No, I don't know what he named it, right? 
Like that is the God that is in charge of taking care of our needs. And so it's marked by contentment. Be free from the love of money. And then it goes on, being content with whatever you have. And I'll tell you, we are, you know where this shows up for me is when people are giving away free stuff. Have you ever been, like I used to go to these computer conventions uh, back prior, prior, before I was a pastor. And like at the different booths, different, all of a sudden they'd be like, start throwing out t-shirts. And people would go nuts to try and get these t-shirts. You'll see it at like a Ducks game too. They come out and they have these guns and they shove a t-shirt in there. I mean, people were just sitting there, just minding their own business. Right when that gun comes out, it's like, psh, psh, you know, it's like, and then they launch it and it's like, everything in them is like, they don't know what the t-shirt looks like. They don't know what size it is. It might not even fit. It might be like for a doll or like a gargantuan gorilla guy or whatever. But it's like, once it's in midair, it's like, oh, yeah, we love free stuff. Because inside, it's like, if I don't have that pen or that refrigerator magnet, I'm going to go, cr- my life won't be complete. We didn't even know we wanted it until we saw it. You know what I mean? If I just started handing out, hey, everybody gets a free pen, you'd be like, eh. If I said, hey, I only got 10 pens left. Oh, man, come up. Oh, it's awesome. I got the pen. It's like you didn't even know you wanted it. You'll see this with your kids when you're doing chores. Who wants, you know, here are the chores. You guys split them up. I don't want to do any of those. I don't want to do any of them. And then one kid goes, well, I'll do the vacuuming. I wanted to do the vacuuming. Like, what? It's because it's in our nature not to be content. And so when, when, when the writer of Hebrews writes this, he says, be free from that, guys. Be free. And then he gives the reason why. Why should I be content? Because you're, don't worry, you're going to get stuff in eternity. That's not what it says. Why should I be content? For he himself has said, I'll never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. I have all I need now, right now, where I am in my life, where I am in my family, where I live, where I've lived in the past. I, I, I have everything I need right now. Oh, but you haven't met my husband. You haven't met my wife. You don't know my boss. You have all you need right now. If we can get this this week, if we can get this easy, easy concept the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. And we can take that into our home. Can you imagine the kind of husband you'll be? The kind of wife you'll be? The kind of kid you'll be? Right? No, I'm kidding. Right? Can you imagine if you take that into work, the kind of employee you'd be? I'm good. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, we're going to have to make cutbacks. All right. I got all I need. Thanks. Let me know. Just put the pink slip right here. I'm good. It's crazy. When you worship the God of the universe, when you have a relationship with our creator who knows every star by name and knows the number of hairs on your head, you've got everything. But my marriage, you got everything to to make it through your marriage. Yeah, but my, but you don't understand my You've got everything. I have everything I need. I, I obsess about the church. 
<laughs> I, I do. I want it to go better. I want it to be better. I want everybody's needs met. I want everybody to be happy. I want every marriage healed right now. I want no prayer. I don't want anything on the prayer chain. I want everybody just going, this is awesome. That just doesn't happen. But guess what? We have everything we need. Yeah, but I wish the finance, we have everything we need. Like I, I'm always talking about finances because I think it's just the way that Christians show that they trust God, right? The church has everything it needs. We do. Now it goes on. It says, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? In both those sections, the writer of Hebrews is quoting the Old Testament. This is a concept that goes back very far. I'm going to read a couple more sections of Scripture and then we're going to end. Because this, this idea of being content is just all throughout Scripture. To be satisfied in Him, a lot of times the, the Word says. To be satisfied. To be content. Can you imagine? Could you imagine what a church would look like if everybody who went to that church came in satisfied? If children's ministry is the way it is, worship's the way it is, ah, I'm satisfied. I'm content. I just like being around God and his people. I'm good. If the church shifting and hopping would all stop, Christians would just be like, yeah, whatever. My pastor can't preach a good message, but what are you going to do? You go to another church, they can preach a good message, and then I don't like the parking lot, and then I got that, and you take shut up. I mean, whatever. Could you imagine if every church in America was content to just know God, to be found in Him, to be satisfied, to wake up in the morning and go, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to head into work. All this traffic, I'm fine. It's great. I love God. It sounds so simple, and it sounds so trite, doesn't it? But could you imagine if you owned it? Man, listen to what 1 Timothy says. And uh, There's a verse in here, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10, that you're going to go over in your small groups if you do that. Fantastic section of Scripture. We don't have time to go over it this morning. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. As a matter of fact, New American Standard, if you put that one up, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Uh, The reason I put the New American Standard up here is because the way the Greek is written here, the NIV actually took out a word because it's the same word. It says, but godliness is actually a means of great gain. Means and gain are the exact same Greek word. So it could say, godliness is actually a gain of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Godliness is a means of great means when accompanied by contentment. In other words, godliness is great gain, but when you're godly and content, it's great, great. (laughs) It's great to be holy. It's great to be godly. It's better to be godly and content. It's a means of great gain, New American Standard says. NIV, it just kind of says, it says, why do we say it twice? Why don't we just say it's great gain? Because the writer put it in twice. That's why. And sometimes the different translations will have these little things. Not many, but I, li- I prefer it being said twice. I think it was put in there twice on purpose. It's a gain of great gain to be content. Now listen, here's the reason. 
for we brought nothing into the world, right? And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Really, Paul? Really? Food and clothing? Yeah, because I got Jesus. I serve a God who created the entire universe from the largest star, Joe, 600 times the size of our star, which I've named now, to the smallest bacteria. That God who created that, who knows all of it, understands it all, that's my God. He's my shepherd. He knows every ailment. He knows exactly where we're going. He knows exactly where I've been. He knows everything about me. That's my God. I have all I need in him. Everything. I'm satisfied. I'm content. And then we're going to end with this, Philippians 4. I, I just could Honestly, the time I, most time I spent on this sermon was removing scripture. Like, I'm like, we just don't have enough time and people fall asleep when you read scripture. I, I just... There's just so much that goes on. Listen to Philippians as the worship band returns. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever, whatever circumstances I am. Really? Like he does not, he never had my boss. He never, oh, if you, Paul, good thing you weren't married. And if you were, we've never heard about your wife. But Good for you, brother. He says, it doesn't matter to me. He goes, he goes on. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And Paul just wraps it up in one great package and he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 